everyone. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. And, and we're, we're Gloss Angeles. Strivectin is a brand that's long been regarded as top-tier skincare by professionals of all kinds. We personally love how all of Strivectin's products are backed by science. If you're looking for an eye cream to help smooth the appearance of crow's feet and under-eye puffiness, Strivectin's new Intensive Eye Concentrate for Wrinkles Plus is proven to do so starting in just five days. To learn more, visit Strivectin.com. Um, hey guys, welcome to Pop DNA Lit Summer Volume Two. Volume Two. Uh, so if you <laughs> if you don't uh, remember from last summer, um, we Lit Summer is just where we uh, we talk about classic literature works and basically do the opposite of we of what we do in our normal episodes yeah so we yeah so we take the classic work and we look at the influence that it's had in current culture media because what how have smart you. is that come on i know because we we're just like i was telling my cousin the other day i so i like <laughs> this was funny so i haven't seen my cousin in like a year and a half because she's a flight attendant so she's like traveling all the time, but now she's yeah. not anymore because no one's flying anywhere. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so like we decided to get together and what we did together was we went to a protest. So yes, <laughs> that's, you know, great cousin bonding time. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, she was, we were like talking about, you know, the show cause she listens to us. Um, and I was like, you know, Pop DNA is like what I wish I could have like done my degree in in college. Yeah. Like I wish I could have created my own bachelor's degree and this is what it would have been about. But. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I feel how like are you, how, so many yeah. colleges are like you can pick your own degree but then you try to and they're like never mind. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um we're so oh so yeah so the point of this is that we're talking (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about a work of classic literature and uh that is what what are we talking about Erin we're talking about the happy story that is Jane Eyre uh it's so happy it's so good (laughs) it's just it is good it's a strong human being responding yes. to the world around them, you know? It's mm-hmm. really it's yeah. really wonderful. Yeah. It's it's a heroine's journey. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a proto-feminist text. So, you know, so there's there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um Yeah. Um so uh we well we usually talk about first experiences um right that's what we usually do yeah. it's been a while <laughs> i know it's been a while the it's world is topsy turvy the the world is yes um yeah and you know i think i think there was like kind of a conversation about well should we be doing this episode right now but i think we we decided like, yeah, you know, 
Yeah. People might still need things like this to kind of escape into. So. Absolutely. And yeah. Um, yeah. And on all of our social media pages, there are ways for you to interact um, and support Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and pray. And, yeah. I think we really prioritize that because mm-hmm. it's so much more important than anything else we could be talking right. about right now. <laughs> um, but um, I think um, Chris on Spec Script said it really well that we love this and we hope you get joy from it in these difficult yeah. times. Yeah. I really loved that post. He I made loved that post them. too. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't already go listen to Spec Script. It's a really yeah. fun podcast. Hey, plug. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So we're talking about Jane Eyre in our, in this first episode of Lit Summer Volume 2. Um, Jane Eyre was written by Charlotte Bronte. Oh, first experiences. <laughs> first experiences. We should have like a little sting for first experiences. <laughs> I'm surprised we don't already. We, we yeah, why don't we? We should do something. <laughs> first experiences. <laughs> Is that good? <laughs> okay. So Rhonda, um, how did you get involved? We, oh, I was with the world. I was going to ask Jane you. Eyre. Oh, did you ask me and I just forgot? Maybe. Oh. I don't know. Maybe I well, thought about asking you. Oh, dude. I mean, this this really symbolizes how my w- brain is feeling tonight. So. <laughs> right. Um. Well, yeah, you just had like a day of work, and I had a day I, of hanging out with my niece and nephew who are four and almost two so (laughs) yeah they're fun they're fun I worked with humans for the first time in three months today in person in social distancing but in person oh interesting Uh, did you tell them about Jane Eyre (laughs) I told them that that's all we talked about was Jane Eyre I said, my name is Jane Eyre, and they said Good. no. And I said, okay. My name is Jane Eyre, and this is my <laughs> tail. <laughs> and then I pointed to the tail I was wearing, obviously. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Go on. Should we I cut really any don't... of this out? No, I'm not going to cut it. any of this out. This no, is great. I love it. Okay. <laughs> um... I feel like my first experiences with Jane Eyre aren't too, like, fancy. Um, We read... So you weren't, like, dressed in formal wear? (laughs) Yes, I should have been. I mean, that would have have been, you know... Like, opera gloves and, like, a tiara. (laughs) Absolutely. You gotta err on the side of caution. That's what I wear all the time, so... Yes, and it it's a look that suits you, let's be honest. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> Did you have a fancy go, go first on. experience? Go oh, on with yeah, your we, with your <laughs> We just read parts of it in um high school. Um I think the class probably read all of it, but I don't think I did. Um <laughs> and then um yeah, we watched the movie for for our um, talk through or our Rhonda and Aaron talk oh, yeah, through yeah. movies, and so we did. Um, we watched the 2011 for um, 
for January. So for Star Wars. <laughs> that was a more joyful yeah. return to Jane Eyre. And I really. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Do you have a more exciting story than I just um, Not really. <laughs> so I, um, I think I, I must have been, I know I was in high school. I was either 15 or 16 when I first read it. And it was because I had read all of Jane Austen. <laughs> yeah. And so then was like looking for more, um, more, you know, adjacent to Jane Austen literature and of course like you you stumble upon the Brontes after Jane Austen quite often um yeah so I think Jane Eyre was the first Bronte that I read um and I loved it um and then I read Wuthering Heights directly after and hated it so interesting (laughs) so I did not read any other novels of the Bronte sisters for several years um but yeah what was the difference um it's well I mean they're two different authors like Emily wrote of course and Jane wrote Jane Eyre or Jane Charlotte wrote Jane Eyre um so I mean obviously they're different writing styles but I think uh I think Jane Eyre was was I didn't recognize this at the time, but Jane Eyre was a more classic kind of monomyth or fairy tale kind of structure, which yeah. really appeals to me. Whereas Wuthering Heights is much more like experimental, almost and abstract. Like it was more oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. um, yeah, less conventional, I guess, but not okay. like conventional in a bad way, but. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I read it as a teenager and I still have my copy that I bought when I was like 16 <laughs> and I wrote <laughs> on the flyleaf I discovered recently I had written, um, embargo backwards is, oh, grab me. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know why. Um, but yeah. So that just my made my night. That's so Air. funny. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Embargo. Embargo is, oh, wow, you know, oh, if anyone grab needs a pickup me. line out there, like, hey, you want to do a backwards embargo here? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Oh, grab what? me. Oh, grab me. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah. I wonder if that is, that was um, Jane's pickup line to <laughs> to Mr. Rochester. <laughs> I love that. Or maybe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I love that. Okay. So um, what can you tell me about Charlotte Bronte? Oh, so much that I knew. I definitely knew all this information yesterday. I didn't just research all this. I know. This is. You're like an expert on the life of Charlotte Bronte. Obviously. I mean, to know me is to know Charlotte, frankly. Um, (laughs) So, Charlotte Bronte was born on April 21st, 1816, in Thornton, Yorkshire, in England. 
to Patrick Bronte and Maria Branwell Bronte. Charlotte was one of six children, um, and she faced tragedy really, really early in life um, when her mother and eldest sisters, Maria and Elizabeth, passed away when Charlotte was still really young. Um, so Charlotte's aunt moved in with the family to assist her dad with the raising of Charlotte and um, her two remaining sisters, Emily and Anne, and their brother, Branwell. And it is suggested that the discussion on... Um, kind of the discipline of children and in school and those traumatic early childhood experiences in Jane Eyre were actually really heavily in influenced by the schooling um, which Bronte and her um, siblings received. And I don't think that that's just a discussion. I think that's, I mean, pretty, yeah. Yeah, pretty that's... clear. Um, so mm -hmm. she and her siblings attended the scariest sounding school I've ever heard of, the Clergy Daughters School at Cowan Bridge in Lancashire. It it just sounds Yikes. like, yeah, it doesn't sound, I mean, as Clergy an early daughter. educator, it just doesn't sound, doesn't have Inviting. that sound, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's also, um, it's also thought that the school headmaster of her school, um, a man by the name of Reverend William Karras Wilson, is kind of an exact likeness of um, Mr. Brocklehurst from Jane Eyre, ah. which, again, wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, so then, um, after all these kind of aversive early childhood experiences... Um, in her late teen and early adult years, she attended Miss Wooler's school at Rowhead and then returned home to assist in the education of her sisters. Um, her brother Branwell declared that he um, wanted a life as an artist and was really into that, which good for him. Um, yeah. But that did mean that Charlotte was left to earn an income and oh. support her family and nice. kind of... Yeah, you know, um, and I'm sure... Because that was so easy for women to do at the time. So easy. Just as easy it would have been for Branwell to just go freaking get a job. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> so Charlotte um, wound up turning to education um, and returned to Miss Wooler's school at Rowhead, um, this time as an educator. But she really didn't like the work. Um mm. And in 1838, she actually fell ill. Um, sources say that it was due to melancholia, um, but I don't really trust health records yeah. for women at that age, at that time period, because a lot of them. Yeah, they did it. <laughs> it was like the yeah, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. A lot of them are very like, oh, she was sad, so she died. Uh, like, well, no, exactly. hysteria. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Melancholy, um, or... right? They're like, just like this woman is 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 acting strangely, so she must she be has, ill. She yeah. has feelings and doesn't want to do this <laughs> right. job she hates. Huh, I wonder what's <laughs> going on there. Um, yeah. So eventually, she did leave the school, um, and then there's also some conversation over the all the schooling that she had had was so traumatic. Why would she want mm. to, to teach in those right. same um, classrooms, you know, like kind of inflicting that trauma on others. Um, mm -hmm. But it, you know, it was, it was a trade and a skill and something that she could do. So she did teach several times in her life. Um, 
And she was also proposed to, I loved this fact, she was proposed mm-hmm. to so many times and said oh. no to so many of them and was just like, nah, I don't really, I don't really need you. I have this teaching thing. I have my sisters, um, which is its own form of privilege, you know, to still have yeah. like your sisters and family. Um, and then eventually in 1844, she actually opened her own school, which I didn't know. Um oh. But the location was was too far away for students to travel and get to, and it's hard to like establish a new school, especially you know as a woman in those times. So it ultimately closed. But she had the wherewithal to create a school like that's right. Um, yeah, she was such a strong woman. Um, and it it actually turned out to be pretty good that the school failed, because the next year, um, 1845. Bronte found, uh, Charlotte Bronte found some of the work that her sister had done, Emily Bronte, if you've heard of her, and oh, yeah, um, they she compiled um, the poetry of her, her sister Anne, her sister Emily, and her, um, and they all got their own nom de plumes, so... Mm-hmm. Um, they're so, Her, I, it, I love all of their, all their pen names, they're like... I know, they're so like, they're... <laughs> Like yeah. Acton Bell is so punk rock to me. Like Yeah. But like Ellis Bell is a little interesting. I don't know. Yeah. And Kerr is that, kind of hard to pronounce. That's why I paused there because I'm bad with my R's. Um <laughs> But like their the, first rural public, juror. the rural juror. The rural juror. <laughs> the rural juror. They're um their first poem book was called Poems, as as you're hearing us joke about. Yes. Um, the first book was Poems by Currer. There, I tried. By Currer, <laughs> Ellis, and Acton Bell. Um, and my note says 1946, but we know that that's oh. not accurate. 1846. Well, time um, travelers. Yeah. You know, they they lived forever. Um, and the, the cool thing about Charlotte was that she was in charge of the distribution and production of the book. And again, mm-hmm. you know, while only two copies were actually sold, oh. they got, they once again found a way to make a living based on something they were good at and do it on their own terms. In the same way you saw when she opened her own school, she made her bo- her poems be published, um... And some people might argue that it was a failure, but I think that's a huge success. I think that's, um, it doesn't matter how many copies were sold because she made that happen, you know? Um, and that kind of opened doors for the family because then, um, it came, they came to find out that the three sisters already had three novels written between them. They're just just ready to go. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, (laughs) now that they knew kind of, what it takes to get published. Um, and because a lot of people were looking for, um, were looking for three part novels with kind of more of a action adventure, um, plot line to them more mm-hmm. so than like poetry say. So, right. um, they actually, um, the publishing house of Smith Elder and company, um, had originally received Charlotte Bronte's um, first novel, The Professor, mm-hmm. and they they turned it down. So they said, um, it's not, 
a three-part novel. It's, it's not, not as um, exciting. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really have like like a a heroine's journey or a hero's journey or anything sort of propelling it along. Um, so, so they said, come back with anything else that you have, which again, I think is a pretty like, it's a pretty big get. Like she had to have yeah. shown them something really important for them to say, but come back instead of just a mm-hmm. no. Um, so she got this feedback in August and then, um, was able to release Jane Eyre, an autobiography, on October 16th of the same year. So, like, within eight weeks, she was able to get something really seriously published. So she had to have already been working on it, right? Yeah. um, Like, it had to be, like, almost done already. Because, like, like, I mean, I could see, like, writing a novel in eight weeks but to have it like polished enough to actually publish it absolutely in eight weeks yeah. like what you would have to be superhuman well maybe charlotte bronte was superhuman i don't know perhaps she was <laughs> perhaps i definitely but yeah she had to have already at least been working on it i, I would think, think she must have yeah yeah um, anyway yeah <laughs> And because, like, the, um, so much of Jane Eyre does reflect her personal experiences. So she, mm-hmm. she must have had those in her notes somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it already kind of existed. <laughs> um, so then it just gets, like, she's finally found this success. Um, after, after this novel gets published and they're finally kind of on their way up, um, all three of her siblings pass away. Oh, my. Oh. Yeah, within, like, two or three years, I think, they were all um, passed away. So um, everything that I read on, um, she also wrote, so she wrote another book called Shirley, A Tale. Mm-hmm. And she did so just in seclusion and just with a, you know, kind of the deaths of her family um, on her mind. Um. And then people continued to offer her um, kind of <laughs> marriage proposals, and she continually said, said no, um, I, I'm a writer, I, I might not have much family, but I do have this, um, this means of income, and I don't, I don't need to, to marry someone, mm-hmm. until she eventually married um, Arthur Bell Nichols in 1854. Oh, I had no idea that she was ever married. Yeah, very, you know, very, very tail end. Because then in 1855, mm-hmm. she um, she actually passes away um, mm-hmm. from complications from her pregnancy. So mm-hmm. um, she was, yeah, you know, it, it came really late in life. And um, yeah, so that's, you know, like... A collection of her letters has been um, published since, and they're, you know, we we all know Charlotte Bronte and Emily Bronte, and we, you know, mm-hmm. we revere them as, as authors. And, Everyone you know, always as, forgets about Anne Bronte. <laughs> I know. I keep forgetting about her, too. Mm. She oh, wrote two novels. She's, a, well, yeah, like, yeah. these women, they're, mm-hmm. they're just, you know incredibly um 
I think tenacious and incredibly mm-hmm. just like sure of what they want to be doing despite everything, all these conditions, you know, yeah. the, um, it's not, I mean, today it's not often that you see an independent writer who's able to support themselves, but back then, like, oh my goodness, you know? And there um, are women too. Like, that's... yeah. And I, I do yeah. wonder like if having their brother living with them at least part of the time kind of gave them like a sense of um, at least, you know, to the out to the outside world gave them an appearance of like, okay, they're fine because their brother is taking care of them or whatever. Like if that right, sure. was, because uh, yeah, because I could see like three, three women um, alone, you know, without, a man in their household like that could possibly I don't know I just wonder about that yeah, yeah absolutely yeah oh that story <sighs> bums me out it makes me sad <laughs> I know yeah well and I mean it it makes like they all three of them had very sad lives all three of the Bronte sisters who, you know, whose novels have survived until now yeah, had, and, and that's reflected in their work. You know, I've read, um, I've read Wuthering Heights, of course, and I've also read both of Anne's novels, um, The Tenant of Wildville Hall and Agnes Gray. Oh, and, cool. you know, all of them have, um, have, you know, protagonists who go through a lot of suffering and and adversity um and in some of them it ends up um they end up you know finding at least some semblance of happiness at the end but of course in Wuthering Heights like that doesn't happen everyone dies um spoiler but (laughs) maybe that's why I don't like Wuthering Heights (laughs) everyone dies um (laughs) yeah but yeah that's uh it's so clear in their work that they channeled all of their struggles into their art. Um, yeah. And I think that's why it's so compelling even now. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's such a deep discussion on, you know, um, how you work through trauma. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. that's really great. So you've got some uh, influences on here, and you put both of her sisters on here. I did, because um, I really felt like um, everything that I read of them, they really, if if they didn't collaborate with each other, they supported each other, and they really, mm-hmm. like... I wonder, do you um, think they ever had, like, a little writer's club where they, like, talked about what they were working on and, like... I like to imagine that that happened. I think that that's a really calming image from, you know, these these women who are up against it and who are experiencing all of this stuff to have each other and to have like a, like a writing, like a shared passion about writing just, you Mm -hmm. know, warms my heart and hope, like, I hope that their relationship was what I, I felt it to be as I was researching. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah, she all she um she had a lot of friends that were writers. So she was friends with um Elizabeth Gaskell, who was also mm-hmm. who wrote you know, North great... and South. Sorry, she wrote North and South. Yeah, is yeah, my yeah. favorite of hers. And Wives and Daughters is another one. And she wrote uh, oh, I've been wanting to read Wives and Daughters. Yeah, um, it's super long. <laughs> Just yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll get the audio book. It'll be good. There you go. <laughs> um, she also, in 1957, she wrote The Life of Charlotte Bronte um, to honor her friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think specifically the intelligence of her friend. Um, mm-hmm. And then William Makepeace Thackeray was another friend um, and contemporary. So, like, yeah, I imagine... I imagine her going and hanging out with her writer friends. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Complaining about life. She did not like Jane Austen, though. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's a whole thing about it. There's like... Oh, no. There's this, <laughs> there's this podcast I listen to called Bonnets at Dawn. That's... Uh, <laughs> they So, like, they started out as, like, their whole thing was, like, Austen versus the Brontes. Um, but now they like they've expanded and they and they talk a lot about like many other women writers of the 19th century. But there's still that kind of undercurrent going through it. Like, are you team Austin or are you team Bronte? But I think that's funny. Oh, how funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you guess which I one I am? Uh, yeah, you're Austin, right? Obviously. Yeah. I was like... I hope this isn't a trick question. I mean, I do. Yeah, I do love Jane Eyre, and I and I I really like both of Anne Bronte's books. But yeah, yeah. Team Austin, Team Austin, all the way. That was like um, on on Facebook when people used to assign you like friendship quizzes. Like, here are five <laughs> questions about me. If you don't know them, we uh-huh. don't know each other. Then we're not really friends. Um, Looks like it. Why can't we all just let well enough alone? Yeah. Anyway, would you are are would you also be Team Austin? Yeah, I think. Well, see, that's an interesting one because like. I've certainly read more of Austin, but I really appreciate well. I appreciate them both for their takes on psychology. Mm, oh, sure. I'll have to think about that because I also love a, <laughs> I love darkness. It's true. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yikes. I'll think about it. I know you're on the edge of your seats. I am. Quite <laughs> literally. <laughs> uh, so do you want to tell us? We might have to end our Jane friendship. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, let's talk about Jane Eyre, um, since that's the title of this episode. Um, (laughs) so, uh, yeah, so Jane Eyre, um, was originally published as Jane Eyre, an autobiography. Um, it was published, as you mentioned, in October of 1847 under Charlotte Bronte's pen name, Curver Bell. I still can't say that, Curver Curver Bell. (laughs) Um, <laughs> it's a hard one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the um, so the plot of the novel, it's a first person narrative, and um, and I think it, I think it was like one of the earlier um, examples of a first person narrative. There hadn't been very many before that. Oh. Um, 
Yeah. Um, so it's set somewhere in the north of England in, um, in like the late 18th or early 19th century is when the novel is supposed to be, which is interesting because I think most adaptations set it like around the time it was written. So like the 1840s, but the novel, the novel was, I think supposed to be set in like the early 19th century. So kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Um, so there's like five very distinct, parts in the plot of the novel so it starts um when jane is a child i think she's i think she's 10 at the beginning of the book um and she's living with her aunt and her cousins because her parents have died um and her um her aunt and her cousins all um uh physically and emotionally um mistreat her um, yeah. even, even, even to the point of abuse. Um, and so, you know, it's not a good situation for her. And then she is sent to Lowood school, um, where, you know, I think much like Charlotte Bronte's experience when she went to school, she, um, you know, she like got her education, but it was also a very like, traumatic experience for her because again she's mistreated by um like some of the teachers and the headmaster of the school she's like bullied by some of the other students um and but she does make one really good friend helen um but then uh i forget if it's if is it scarlet fever that goes that like sweeps through the school and her friend helen dies so oh Great. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So then it kind of like skips ahead a little bit um, until she's like, I think 18 or 19 is when is when the bulk of the novel takes place. So she gets a position as a governess in a country estate. And so she leaves the school um, and she moves to Thornfield Hall, which is the home of Edward Rochester and she's there to be a governess to his ward Adele um and so um throughout um this part of the novel she falls in love with Mr. Rochester um but there's also like some very uh mysterious spooky things going on at Thornfield Hall she hears like um she hears like maniacal laughter at night um her employer's bedroom is set on fire at one point um, and she has to like save him. Um, And then, um, you know, there's like other guests who come to Thornfield and, you know, can continue to like make her, you know, feel inferior for being a governess. Fun stuff. Right. Um, (laughs) um, And then eventually, um, uh, Rochester proposes and she accepts and um, they plan their wedding but then uh, their wedding is interrupted and it's this guy named uh, Mr. Mason who claims that Mr. Rochester is already married yeah. and to uh, Mr. Mason's sister so they go back to Thornfield and 
it is revealed like yes mr rochester has a wife that he has been keeping locked in the attic um of thornfield so you know um <laughs> as if which jane I'm, hadn't been through enough yeah, come on yeah and i i'll talk about bertha later on i have a whole uh, a whole mess of notes about bertha so we'll talk about her um (laughs) um so you know jane decides you know like of course i i can't stay here like i can't be with this guy he's already got a wife so she leaves um and she um she ends up living with um uh, the Rivers family, so a brother and two sisters, um, and she and you know they kind of like help her like get get onto her feet, and she um, she becomes the teacher at the school that's in their you know little area, um, and the brother Sinjin um, ends up proposing to her because he so he's a uh, clergyman so he his plan is to um, go and be a missionary in India and he wants Jane to come with him but of course they have to be married for for them to be able to travel together so but but you know again she she like turns down his proposal um, because she doesn't love him Um, yeah yeah Um, and so then you know like she kind of continues um, there for a little bit, um, but then one night she very mysteriously hears a voice calling to her that sounds like Mr. Rochester, but she doesn't know where it's coming from. And so she like races back to Thornfield as fast as she can. And when she gets back, she finds that it has, it's like in ruins the house is has like burned down and there's only like part of it that's still standing. And so she, she finds out from, I think from a villager um, in the area that, um, that, you know, there was a fire in the house and the house burned down and um, Bertha, Mr. Rochester's wife ended up dying. Um, wow. At, in the fire. Yeah. So, they're reunited and then um, she's reunited with Rochester and they ultimately um, get, you know, get married and yeah. Um, and that's the end of the book. So yeah. Um, <laughs> can you wow. tell how I feel about it? <laughs> okay. So when I first read this, when I, at, you know, 16 or however old I was, I was fresh off of Jane Austen, like, you know, right. romances, essentially. And so that was kind of like the the lens that I was coming into Jane Eyre with. And so I was like, oh, yay, she they, they fell in love and they got married at the end, so it's happy. But reading it now, I'm like, is that oh. how I still feel? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we'll, and I'll talk about that, too. Um, later on, I have some notes about yeah and i think you also might have some stuff about that too in your notes i i Maybe? sure do you do yeah. okay cool perfect oh yeah well we're gonna dig into this we're gonna this if you gonna... thought this was us <laughs> digging in 40 minutes in we're like the... we are yes 
The oh, wow. introduction 40 minutes was 40 in. minutes, you guys. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Strap we're in. So we're, much. we're just getting uh, to it. This is going to be a good one. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but let's talk about um, some adaptations. Yeah. Um, so which ones have you seen? I, oh goodness, haven't seen a lot of them, I'll tell we you that. We watched the 2011 movie together. That's maybe right. the only one I've seen. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, it's a good one, so. Yeah. I like it a lot. Um, yeah. Um, so there, uh, so there are tons of adaptations of Jane Eyre. Um, I just listed the ones that I've seen. Well, except the silent films. I haven't seen any of the silent films, but there are are actually a lot of silent films that are just based on, like, scenes from Jane Eyre. Um, I bet that would lend itself pretty well to a silent film. Because it would be super, like, striking visuals and, like, melodrama. Um... But I have seen the one from 1943, um, and that's starring Orson Welles <laughs> as Mr. Rochester. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's been a really long time since I've seen that one, so I don't remember if it, if like, you know, how they handle the plot um, or anything. Um, but then there was a movie in 1996 that I saw like very soon after I first read the book. And um, I think I remember feeling like it didn't quite do it justice. Okay. But I, but I don't remember why I felt that way. Um, And then the 2006 miniseries, which is on my TV right now, um, is actually like very, very well done. I think it's probably... Um, I think, I think the 2006 is to Jane Eyre, what the 1995 Pride and Prejudice miniseries is to Pride and Prejudice. Like it's that kind of like gold standard, like adaptation. Um, Yeah. yeah, it's really, really good. Um, and also has the, the girl who played Lucy in the Chronicles of Narnia, (laughs) um, I just bet she was so good at that. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's great casting, too, because she looks a lot like the actress who played the the older Jane Eyre. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'd recommend watching that one. It's on Amazon Prime right now. So if you have Prime, you can watch it for free. I just Um, re-upped my Prime. I couldn't stay away. Perfect. This is not an ad for Amazon by any means. <laughs> no. But if they want to sponsor us, like, I mean, Bezos is a little shady, but, like, are we going to turn down money? I don't um, and Anyway. We could use the money to get help good things. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like Robin Hood. Exactly. <laughs> We're the Robin Hood of podcasts. Heck yeah, we are. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the 2011 movie that that we have already talked about a little bit. Um, what what are your thoughts on that movie? I um, 
I just I loved how it creates the the terror, the psychological terror that Jane is living in. Those mm-hmm. haunting scenes at the very beginning and just, you know, and it really calls on like the principles of nature that you see so often in gothic um literature. I just I really I thought it was visually just striking. Um, mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I I remember when I first saw the trailer for that one and I was like, why did they make it look like a horror movie? <laughs> but it definitely yeah, like there is that element um in Jane Eyre. So I love that they that they really brought that out. Um I and do. then I also I also love how they how that version uh, plays with the timeline a little bit. Yeah. So you kind of see things in in parallel with each other, um, which is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think also sometimes when we talk about childhood trauma, we're not willing to really go there. And I think that sure. this film is really a good look of at the trauma that children go through and are possible Mm -hmm. like that can happen in these early years um the film doesn't try to make it like oh they're cute kids no this is like gripping you know and I think that's what it needed to be so I'm happy they went there yeah definitely um and then the last one I put on this list is a web series um called the autobiography of Jane Eyre and so it's a modern um, adaptation. Um, oh. So if you've seen like the Lizzie Bennet diaries. Yeah. It's kind of a similar. And they actually reference the Lizzie Bennet diaries in this. Um, oh, funny. Because Jane is a fan. Um, so, <laughs> so in the update, in kind of like the modern update um, of the story, she is, Jane is a, um, she's, she, I think she's about to graduate or she's just graduate yeah she's just graduated from uh, nursing school um but she gets um like she's not sure what she wants to do with her life and so she gets a job as like a a tutor for a very wealthy uh family who of course turns out to be mr rochester and his daughter um oh I yeah love so that. and yeah and so in um in this version so in in the novel, um, Jane is an artist, and so um, in kind of the update, she is a filmmaker, and so she's um, recording this kind of video um, or vlog, I guess, as kind of like a filmmaking experiment. So there's kind of some like interesting, um, like cinematography, but like kind of kind of like student film cinematography because like that's you know um it's it's the idea is that it's jane kind of experimenting with filmmaking so it's it's really interesting it's all on youtube um and i definitely recommend uh watching that and you know i think it's like i think all together it's maybe four or five hours so if you want to spend four or five hours watching something like yeah do that um that sounds yeah. right up my alley i know i want to watch totally um and then tell me about jane Eyre the musical 
Oh dear! So there was once a Jane Eyre the musical, <laughs> and and then it, that's it. <laughs> and then then we're done. the end. So it it started by me, Leslie. The, nope. <laughs> exactly. So Jane Eyre the musical, um, had its first kind of out-of-town tryout in 1990 in Wenatchee, Washington. What? Which... Home state. Wh- why would you... What, Wenatchee? What? Yeah. Anyway. Um, but somehow worked its way to Broadway by 2000. So, like, hmm. how did that happen? Yeah. Um, so it does take the classic text and kind of infuse elements of, like, I don't know, these indie musicals, like, I think of kind of Spring Awakening that did a similar thing. Um, and, now tell um, me about compo- what what makes it an indie musical? Like, what is what are the style distinctions? I think um, with this one specifically, I think there's just, like, like, you don't get, like, like dream when i think of classic musical theater i think of like the dream ballet and the two mm, different okay. like matching sets of couples and kind of okay. ele- those elements of like the romantic comedy um, which comes from and, like, shakespearean comedy yeah um and this is um i think more modern um although musical theater nerds can can argue with me for sure um but i think a lot of what we see in um in indie musical theater when i talk about it i think of the more personal psychological journeys that the okay, characters sure. go on and you can get there in old musicals of course you can psychology exists whenever there's humans but I what? do think that indie musical theater takes it just a little bit deeper or darker, perhaps. Um, okay. And so that's kind of why I think of it like an indie um, show. And it, it was so originally... Like less less uh, traditional and less formulaic, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, and kind of willing to to kind of push what we can and cannot do in a musical like okay that sort of thing we don't you won't see a chorus girl in, in okay sure Jane yeah I'm, I'm gradually learning more about musical theater because my brother is trying to convince me to watch Hamilton when it comes on Disney plus so uh-huh. <laughs> yeah anyway <laughs> Well, I will say Hamilton is a work of genius. I actually think okay. you'd really like Hamilton. But because okay. um, it's very it smart. Try. It's not one of these like silly musicals. It's very like intelligent. Um, and I think you're an intelligent human. But Oh, thank um, you. Well, you're, wrong. you're I, welcome. I, I have you fooled. <laughs> oh, no. Um so a really interesting thing about Jane Eyre the musical was that it originally had twenty two cast members. <laughs> so no is wonder that, they had, is that high like, or low? It's huge for for oh, okay. like for a brand new show. It's pretty like because the thing about shows, it, the thing about like a musical is that you want to be able to produce them easily, right? So you want yeah. like. 
if it's going to do like out of town tryouts. Well, and it seems um, like in Jane Eyre, like you could easily have one actor playing two roles. Like you could have one act, one actress that plays both Aunt Reed and Mrs. Fairfax or something. Like absolutely, I feel like that would be so easy to do. Yeah, and I think they eventually got it down to ten people. Um, which was an important thing for them to be able to, because they had, you know, if, if a show doesn't have a great deal of success, you do have to try out in many different cities and you just can't pay for 22 actors to go. Like if you don't, if you know, if you don't know that you have a hit, you can't really have an entire van of people (laughs) going to, to possibly lose money in a, in a bunch of cities. Right. So like, right. They had tryouts in really random, well, I don't know, Wenatchee, California, Canada, and London. That's just like, (laughs) that just feels so random random. for tryouts to me. (laughs) Um, And the other, the other really important change between 1990 and the 2000s um, is that um, like chorus members of the 22 person cast would tell the story would tell Jane's story for her and the change in the 2000s was that she started telling the story herself which is really important Mm, Okay, especially like you um, mentioned with Jane Eyre um, that agency and that psychological um, growth that Jane goes through often on her own it's really important that she tell that story Mm -hmm. you can't like it's, yeah. it's well, not really especially like the novel is in first person so obviously yeah. it's important that it's in Jane's voice that's such an interesting yeah that's interesting that they tried to tell it differently in the first place to me and like but. especially with with what you said about how it was one of the very first um first person like Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you put it there? And there's so much more you can do if Jane's telling her own. Oh, okay. Well, they made the change eventually, so I feel better. But I also just get this image of like, what was it? Chorus members walking by, like Jane is feeling sad. Like, right. what? What? Like the muses and no. Hercules are like. Ex- well, yeah, ex- ex- is what I'm oh, picturing. They're... Like a Greek chorus. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So like. I tried to find a happy story to tell about Jane Eyre the musical, <laughs> but the only thing I really found was that Alanis Morissette um, was a friend of the compo- one of the composers, Paul Gordon, and mm. um, in order for them to have a longer run, Alanis Morissette just brought <gasps> blocks of tickets and sold them to <laughs> charities so that they could get other people... Um, to come but then the show just closed the next week oh my gosh and like that's so sad for anyone out there who worked on this show kudos to you i really do love an indie musical but i did just think that was a little funny and sometimes we can laugh at ourselves a little bit um (laughs) could we make this happen again yeah do you think you and i are powerful enough to (laughs) I feel like we could also have Alanis Morissette buy all tickets to our next live show whenever that can happen yes. in the world. She would definitely do that for us. She would. Um, what else? I, yeah. 
Um, there was also, this show was really hard to get information on. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of, I just thought it was so bizarre that it became a, a musical. Um, yeah. Yeah. That what, is so, such an interesting story to adapt for a musical. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, like, earlier, I'm so interested to hear earlier adaptation, uh, like, the earlier versions of the songs where, like, Jane isn't given her own voice, because the whole thing that I love about Jane Eyre is that her voice comes through so strongly, and Mm -hmm. she never, like, in a world where people are telling her to quiet that voice or kind of just just go somewhere and and deal with life she never does and that's so something that charlotte bronte also did she was such a strong human to then not give her a voice in the musical makes no sense right yeah that's so interesting that that's a story that they that was chosen to become a musical um yeah. Because I don't know. I guess I just think, well, and I mean, I guess like more recent musicals have had like more serious tone. But I guess yeah. I just think of, I just think of musicals as like comedies, basically. Right. So that's really and interesting. It, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes um, it still doesn't quite cut the mustard, but yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, I think that. Jane Eyre has been kind of spun into a more comedic um, uh, product, I suppose, um, a few other times. Uh, <laughs> whoa! Which is Sorry, such an interesting like that's <laughs> that's just fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, because we have the Air Affair. Uh-huh. By Jasper Ford. Did you end up reading that book? I d- I read sections I you of your it. copy of it. Yeah, yeah. I know you borrowed it, but did you? You didn't finish it though. I I didn't. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that's a really fun take on it. So, um, so the idea with the air affair is that it's um. So it takes place in kind of like an uh, like an alternate uh an alternate reality to our world, like an alternate uh, timeline, I guess. Um, And there is uh, at some point during the history of this timeline, someone invented a way for people to like go into books, like to go into the world of a book. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so there's this, uh, this uh, like agency called juris fiction (laughs) (laughs) and it's like a police department that like polices the world of books basically so like the world of fiction um and so the main character is thursday next and she's a juris fiction agent and um she has to go into jane eyre um because there's been like people who have been like messing with the plot of Jane Eyre. Oh, wow. So she has to go in and fix it. Um, and oh, so like the really, really fun thing about the air affair is that so you know how I, um, you know, if you've read the book or if you haven't, then remember when I talked about how at the end of Jane Eyre, she hears 
a mysterious voice calling to her that sounds like Mr. Rochester. Well, and it, I mean, it turns out like later on, it turns out that it, it was him. Like he was actually calling to her at that time. Um, so in the air affair, it's explained by Thursday next um, is the one who uh, was calling uh-huh. to Jane because she's like, Oh, Jane needs to go back to Mr. Rochester. So she, so she like hides in the bushes where Jane is and like calls to oh. her and Jane goes, yeah. <laughs> so that's See, fine. Um, yeah. I think, um, I think I was really busy with work when I, borrowed that because that sounds oh, like sure. a premise I, I would love yeah you know? it's so really maybe fun now, maybe now that the world is kind of slowed on me maybe I'll yeah, I'll, yeah. maybe get that one on audiobook that might be a good one for yeah audio. um and there's a whole series a whole Thursday next series um, and she goes in she goes into different classic literature in different books so it's fun <laughs> Um, and then another book that kind of puts a comedic spin on Jane Eyre is called My Plain Jane. And I just read this recently. Um, so in this one, um, Charlotte Bronte is also a character in the book. And she's friends with Jane Eyre. And, oh. um, <laughs> and uh, Jane in my plain Jane um, can see ghosts. <laughs> um, and so there's this like ghost, uh, I guess like ghost hunting agency who like tries to recruit <laughs> Jane. Um, but she like goes to Thornfield and then it turns out there's like all these ghosts at Thornfield, like obviously. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. and, and that one's really fun too. Um, and that's actually a YA. So if you want something I love that. Yeah, that's like a little easier to read. Um, and what I love about My Plain Jane is that, so I mentioned this a little, a little bit in, in my story recap. Um, so like as an adult, I've kind of um, like the idea of Jane ending up with Rochester at the end has kind of lost its appeal to me. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and so in my plain Jane, they kind of address that idea and the resolution that they come to, I think is more satisfying. So, so there's that. See, <laughs> I also have an issue with, yeah. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a really fun one. Um, and then one other novel I wanted to mention is Wide Sargasso Sea by Jean Rhys. Um, so this, I think, is from the 19... I want to say 1960s. Um, and this is um, Bertha's story, um, Mr. Oh, wow. Rochester's first wife. Yeah, so it starts when she is... Um, when she's a young woman in the Caribbean. Um, and then it's, you know, her uh, her story of meeting Rochester when he was younger and kind of their story. I hesitate to call it a love story because, like, it yeah. sort of is, but it's really not. Um, and wow. then, like, the final part of that novel is... is um, 
the the um the events of Jane Eyre, but seen through Bertha's perspective. So a very very interesting. Um, I really want such read a good that. book. It's so so good. Um, yeah, definitely required reading um, for Jane Eyre aficionados. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and I'll talk a little, like, like I said, I'm going to talk about Bertha more, um, in part two. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but speaking of Bertha, um, Aaron, have you heard of this idea of the mad woman in the attic? I believe so. Yeah. So there's, um, it's an essay or, or is it a full book? I read at least part of it. I'm Googling it right now. <laughs> yes, it's a book. Um, I read part of it for a Victorian lit class. Um, so it's this kind of like, I guess, trope in a lot of Victorian and pre-Victorian fiction of the mad woman in the attic. Um, and just, uh, you know, there's this idea of like kind of like you were talking about how Charlotte Bronte was diagnosed with quote unquote melancholia um yeah. <laughs> and the and, and so many other women were as well and there there was also the diagnosis of hysteria um yeah which was just as bogus um <laughs> but um <laughs> right um but it was this idea that women who didn't fit into this very strict Victorian 19th century ideal of womanhood were seen as mad. And so they were often, you know, put behind closed doors. They were sent to asylums or they were kept, you know, shut up in their houses um, because, you know, they couldn't be seen. They couldn't be um, out in society. Um, yeah, so it's just this very interesting idea. Um, definitely read, um, read. There's so many like reviews and and articles about the book, and then you know the book itself um, that uh, you should definitely read as well if you're interested in that. Um, I'm surprised idea. I haven't read it because I've studied this phenomenon so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. yeah. And it's in so uh, it's in a lot of other nineteenth um, and early twentieth century um, fiction. Um, the Yellow yeah. Wallpaper is a really famous yes. example. Um, the short story by Charlotte Perkins Gilman, um, The Awakening by Kate Chopin, kind of has this similar idea. Um, yeah, yeah. So. I, yeah, it's really, really interesting. And I think that's kind of, um, that's kind of an angle that you need to look at if you want to, um, you know, reading it as modern people, I think that's, um, you're doing, you're doing the work a disservice, um, if you don't look at that angle, you know, because the way that women were viewed back then was obviously so 
wrong and so problematic and to you know so I think that um yeah there's so much that we can say about that and we'll and we will um in uh part two so (laughs) we just decided that this episode needs to be a two-parter because we're not even halfway through our notes and we're an hour in so (laughs) Um, yeah so part two um should be available at the same time as part one hopefully um yeah um but then one other book before we break um before we uh end part one here one other book i wanted to mention was rebecca by daphne de maurier um have you heard of this book erin do you know it yeah yeah i've never read it myself but i've definitely heard of it yeah yeah, it's um it's a really interesting um so it it was written like about a hundred years after Jane Eyre. I think it was the thirties, so ninety years I guess. Um but it is about a young woman who marries a much older man and moves into his um his you know big country estate um and the house is kind of haunted not not like by a literal ghost but like just kind of by the presence of his first wife who died under mysterious circumstances so yeah it's another um it's another kind of so rebecca is the name of the first wife um and she I think kind of falls into that same kind of trope of the mad woman in the attic, because even though, you know, she's not kept in the attic and she's not, (laughs) she, as far as we know, like she wasn't like mentally ill at all, but, or I don't know, she might've been, um, but she, um, is kind of that kind of presence throughout the book that she's, you know, kind of, cast as a villain or cast as an antagonist through no fault of her own really right which is which is what bertha is in jane Eyre. um so yeah another one that i read uh too young to really grasp that the first time so (laughs) um yes so yeah, so as we wrap up part one, um, Aaron, do you have any any final thoughts for this part? Oh, or do you, you want to do you want to give a little teaser about what you're going to talk about at the beginning uh, of part yeah. two? Yeah, <laughs> more of more of this. I'm going to talk a little bit about a woman by the name of Shirley Jackson Ooh. and the work that she did specifically with um, kind of drawing on the mad woman in the attic and her work, which is very present there. Um, and some stuff. Oh, I also um, bring up Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, who's one of oh, my favorite, yeah, yes. absolute favorite cool. humans. Um, and what she has to say about why we should all be feminists and all of her other stuff. Um, and then just some, just some more talking about, um, t- 
talking about kind of these works of literature, um, specifically in, in what I'm talking about is the, the haunted house as a symbolism for, um, for feminism. Oh, I like that. So if um, you're intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to talk about um, race and colonialism. Yes. Uh, and we're going to talk some more about the heroine's journey and fairy tales um, to round it out. So it's it's uh, it should be great. And oh, and then we'll also get get more into like the more current pop culture um, that's been influenced by Jane Eyre. So, yeah, listen to Yay. part two. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. Do it. Do it right now if it's up or not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>